You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today, I continue my week-long celebration of the third anniversary of the podcast, Who Arted Weekly Art History for All Ages? I want to say a big thank you to everybody who has been listening, and just a reminder, you can help the show grow by leaving a rating review on your favorite podcast app. Those ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify really help other people discover the show. It makes a big difference, so thank you to everyone who takes the time to rate and review this podcast and Help the other podcasters you like to listen to. Make sure you leave them a rating or review as well. Now, today's fan pick was about Daguerre and the early days of photography. Since I actually made too many episodes on Daguerre and his early photographs, I thought it might be fun to mash those up into one slightly larger mini-episode. So here we go with Daguerre inside the artist's studio, then the world's first photobomb. Two of my absolutely okayest mini-episodes. feel like who art Ed? Who art Ed? Mr. Wood art Ed me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to a great start. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and for this week's Fun Fact Friday, I'm talking once again about Daguerre, and this time I'm talking about his oldest known photograph— a still life from his studio. I have talked a bit about Daguerre and his photographic methods in a previous episode about the world's first photobomb. Listeners may recall that the first photograph to feature a human happened by accident as Daguerre was taking a photo of the view from his window. Those early photographs needed a long exposure. I'm talking about 15 minutes and few subjects could sit still for that long. This is why the first subjects of photos tended to be landscapes or still lives. You know, things that would be still for a long time. The plaster casts were a practical subject. They were also intended to send a message. Photography was a new medium, but it could handle the traditional subject matter. In this collection, we see an arrangement of casts of Venus, Cupid, the wings and heads of two cherubs. Above the cherub or putty heads, which would have been associated with Phaethon, son of Helios, we see a ram's head, and the golden ram in Greek mythology was a descendant of Helios, the sun god. 
Central to the composition, we see these references to Greek mythology making a connection between the new medium and classic subjects. But more significantly, we're seeing references to the sun. When we break down photography, photo means light. Graphy is writing. Photography literally means light writing. The photographic process is making a picture with light. The sunlight triggers a chemical reaction causing silver compounds to darken. In Daguerre's method, there were a few things I wouldn't recommend. Most notably, he would expose his photo plates to mercury vapors in the development process. While his process was highly toxic, seriously toxic stuff, it was also a huge step forward for photographers. The French Academy of Fine Arts didn't care for photographer, but the press was captivated. They wrote glowing reviews of all his demonstrations. One writer at the time said, Every picture that was shown us produced an exclamation of admiration. What fineness in the strokes. What knowledge of chiroscuro. What delicacy. How admirably are the foreshortenings given. This is nature itself. All this is wonderful. Of course, the still life was not nature itself. It was a collection of man-made objects quite deliberately constructed. As I said, there was a bit of symbolism, but if we look through a formalist lens, we see a variety of textures, a good range of values. The arrangement is well-balanced. Daguerre was working to demonstrate traditional composition in the new medium. But of course, photography would also lead to innovations in the old media. Painters started to adopt a close-cropped style of photography. With the realization that a camera could capture texture, value, line, shape, and proportion so accurately, artists shifted their focus to the elements a camera could not capture. Early on, this meant color. And it just so happens that the Impressionist movement came on the heels of the daguerreotype. And now, after the break, I'm going to have a real blast from the past. This was the mini-episode I made all the way back in Season 2. Stick around to hear about how Daguerre captured the world's first photograph of people by accident, making it the world's first photograph of people and the world's first photobomb. I feel like this episode is going to be full of like many little interesting factoids. For example, the camera is actually hundreds of years older than photography. The first cameras were the camera obscura. It was basically like a pinhole camera. It was a box with a tiny little hole in it that would project an image reversed on the other side. And the earliest written accounts of a camera obscura date back to China in the 4th century BCE. So quite a long time ago. And some people say knowledge of camera obscuras could have even gone as far back as sort of prehistoric times. People could have known about camera obscura technology. But as I said, the first written records of it date back to China in the 4th century BCE. And Camera Obscura was used by numerous artists throughout history. They were popular in the Renaissance era. Um, Many people, you know, advocated for the use of Camera Obscura 
for um, enhancing paintings and drawings to make it easier to render an image. Now, the camera obscura could project an image, but it could not record it. So it was a tool that was used to help in painting and drawing, but it, it, we were not creating photographic images until we got materials that would be sensitive enough to light to record the image. Um, photography, photo literally means light. Graphy means writing or drawing. So the photographic process is basically drawing a picture with light. It's recording the light that's hitting something. Generally speaking, we use silver compounds to do that. Silver halides specifically would be used in most film processes. Of course, today it's done digitally. It's recording the, the light that's hitting um, a microchip. So it, it's recording that light energy. But, but in most photographic processes, especially in the early days, when I say the early days of photography, I'm talking about 1700s, 1800s. Um, they were using mostly silver compounds. Now, some of the, the first methods that actually worked, again, happened kind of by accident. Um, there was a chemist by the name of Schultz, a, a German chemist in 1717 or around then. He discovered that he could make um, a like a, a mixture of chemicals that would be sensitive to light using sort of a slurry of like chalk, nitric acid, and a little bit of some silver mixed in there. As I said, silver was a, a key component in a lot of these processes. The problem was his his stuff would change colors when exposed to light, but it would lose the image as as the bottle was shaken. So um, he didn't have a way of preserving or what we could refer to as fixing the image. Uh, if we fast forward a little bit, um, in 1777, Carl Wilhelm Scheel, who listeners might remember from the Killer Wallpaper episode, the same guy who invented Scheel's Green, the arsenic-laden poisonous pigment, um, he was doing a little bit of work with light-sensitive silver chloride, and you know he he figured out that exposure to light would disintegrate the silver chloride into like microscopic dark metallic silver. And so, you know, that was sensitivity to light. When light hits it, it turns dark. And so that produces a little bit of a photographic negative. But one of the, the bigger things was he discovered that ammonia dissolved the silver chloride, but not the dark particles. So he was making progress towards a way to stabilize or fix or make that image more permanent. Of course, you know, that discovery seems to have been a little bit sort of forgotten and was not picked up on by a lot of other people. What what really started to make progress was a French chemist, a French artist named Joseph Niesp, Nieps, uh, Nieps, N-I-E-P-C-E. Um, cannot pronounce French, not even going to pretend. But he was doing a lot of work with paper coated with silver chloride. chloride and, you know, he was doing, doing quite a bit to advance um, the science of photography through his experiments. 
And he actually created the oldest surviving photograph of an image formed in a camera. Um, That was from 1826 or 27. And, you know, the, the thing about that was, like, it took a long time to create that image. Um, you know, these things were sensitive to light, but not super sensitive. Traditionally, it's been said that it took eight hours to take that photograph. But some people, like a lot of people are saying, actually, no, looking at these chemicals and, and the like scientists will say, it actually probably took like days of exposure. So imagine like you press the button on your camera, you walk away for a day or two, and then come back and it just finished taking that photograph you can start to imagine why the earliest subjects were things that didn't mind sticking around in the same spot for a long time, like a still life or a landscape or buildings. People generally couldn't sit that long for a photograph. And if people were moving in the photograph, they would get blurred or possibly not even be visible unless they were staying still long enough. So then after Niepce, we get to Louis Daguerre. Louis Daguerre actually, like, he worked with Nice, he knew, he, he knew him, and at, when Niepce died suddenly, Daguerre um, got all of his notes. He, he left them to Daguerre. One of the big improvements that, that Daguerre found was that you could take what was called like a latent image, a very, very faint image from a shorter exposure and develop it further using mercury fumes. This was not a safe chemical process. Do not do that on your own if you somehow have access to mercury vapors and mercury fumes. But that's what he was doing. Um, he was exposing his, he was developing his pictures using mercury vapors, mercury fumes. And, you know, the fuming of it helped to develop it and cut down that exposure time dramatically, cut it down to a matter of minutes. Still kind of a long time for people, but minutes is better than hours or days. So then in the year 1838, as Daguerre is taking photographs and experimenting with that process, he set up his camera to take a photograph of the view out his window. It's called the view of the Boulevard du Temple. And at that, to- at that time, it probably took about 10 minutes of exposure. 10 minutes. And so he takes this view of essentially a cityscape. We see a few buildings and a street and the sidewalk. And the assumption was that that's all we would see. And the reason we would only see those things, because even though it was a crowded street, people are walking. They're not standing still for 10 minutes. So they become just a blur in there. The only thing that's going to show up in the photograph is something that is standing still for the full exposure time. And it just so happened that there was somebody getting his shoes shined. And so there are two people who are captured in this early photograph a person getting his shoes shined, and a person shining his shoes. 
We do not know who they are. They are the first accidental subjects of a photograph. So as I said, it's the world's first photograph of people and the world's first photobomb. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted, part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. If you found this tolerable, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week on social media at Who Arted Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, on the website, whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.